ever wonder what it is that's holding you back keeping you from getting to the next level everything starts within your own mind your thoughts attitude and determination are all essential for success ladies and gentlemen this is the main idea podcast Diving deep to uncover how determination and mindset steamroll adversity. And now your host, creator of the Ski System and Trainer of the Year nominee, Abe Maynard. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Main Idea Podcast. We have a special episode for you today where I sit down with one of my former coworkers, an all-around just good person, Garrett Jones. He's a former multi-sport athlete turned personal trainer who earned his bachelor's degree in kinesiology from the University of Massachusetts. He worked in a Miami training facility that oversaw the strength and conditioning of pro athletes like Frank Gore and recently aided his friend, Hella Sidibe, run across America, becoming the first black man to cover the 3,000-mile distance in history. Garrett is a great person and has a healthy view of the world and how to smooth out the highs and lows to maintain general well-being and a positive mental attitude. We cover quite a bit in this episode, how to be process-driven, veganism, almost going on the bachelorette, and we dive into what makes Garrett, Garrett. I hope you enjoy the episode. Garrett Jones, what's up, baby? What's going on? Abe Maynard, good to good. see you, man. It's been a minute. I, I mean, the last time that long. I, I spoke to you, I think we were both fully employed by Equinox, and now it's a year and a half later, a pandemic, and we're both out completely independent. Talk to me about that, man. Crazy. Um, honestly, it's been a blessing in disguise, I think, because, I mean, Equinox is great, and one thing I do miss about it was seeing you guys, like, learning so much from trainers like you and all the other guys that were there. We had like 40 great trainers when I first started and uh, the community was amazing. But once the pandemic hit, you kind of have to figure out, okay, how am I going to pay rent? And so that just ended up uh, leading me to a private business. And it's been amazing since honestly. So no regrets there at all. But I mean, you always struck me like as someone for example, I would do like these little workshops with when new trainers would come on, I would sit down and we would go over something, anything from like how to strategize your business to attain new clients, or whatever. And I felt like you and JT, who I'm also doing an episode with later this week, like you guys were always just super present, super attentive, no like skin off your back. You guys were just there present and like ready and eager to learn. I thought that was so awesome. So it was no surprise when I saw that, like you went out and did your own thing at all. I just, mm. it made total sense when that's like, when the whole pandemic thing was going on and like literally, literally like work was closed. I mean, we went in one day, we were able to train. We went in next to him. There was nowhere to go into. Nothing. Yeah. What were those things going through your head? Like, how do you just like bootstrap and be like, you know what? I'm going to leave everything I know. And I'm just going to do this thing. Uh, you know, I was kind of excited when it all happened. It was like, <laughs> it was an exciting change of pace. And yeah. the fact that we were all in the same position, yeah. um, it just brought me some comfort in knowing that I wasn't the only one that's going to be like having to figure it out. Right. Um, so when it first happened, I was just kind of like, all right, so what's going to happen? Are we going to not be able to leave our houses for like ever? What's, I don't know what's up. 
And then when things started to settle in like a week or two in, it was like, okay, this could be for the long run. So I actually had a friend who worked at Equinox or who worked out at Equinox, who is a health like nutrition coach. And she had been kind of like mentoring me. She's a little bit older than me. And she was mentoring me on how to like run a successful business. And I was just picking her brain on what she was doing with her clients. And at that point, she was like, people are going to need someone to help them virtually. So she started sending me her clients, her nutrition clients to like get workouts. And she would pay me like $100 a session. She would like say, okay, I want you to make a video for this person. And here's a hundred dollars for this three minute video. And I was like, whoa, like this is really like I, a blessing. I can make a lot of three minute videos. Right, right. So that kept me afloat for the first like month. And then uh, after that, she was right. People needed a place to be able to get their fitness in. So uh, people just started reaching out to me and like people that I used to work with at Equinox or just word of mouth through people that I met at Equinox. Um, and just like, just kept going from there kind of, and working out outside actually helped a lot too with, um, just being in the park, people see you and they're like, Hey, how much do you charge? Let's start working together. Literally like one of the first few weeks I was outside, there was a woman who just rode up on her bike was like, Hey, are you a trainer? I was like, yep. Can you train me three times a week? I was like, yep. (laughs) And she was one of my favorite people now. Like, and so it just kept happening like that. So it's been quite the blessing, honestly. Was What role did fear play in all of that? You know, I was, I got a little bit scared at first, not knowing like, okay, I have really no virtual client. I had mm-hmm. like one or two virtual clients at the time. And, and I was like, all right, this is not going to pay the rent. But I just trusted that everything was going to work out. And that's kind of what I, how I've been for my whole life. And so the fear played very little factor, I think, um, just because I felt like in my heart that things were going to work out just fine. And, and they did. So I'm just, just grateful. What are, I'm always interested when, when people have that attitude, because that's not something I feel like is innate in people. Like I'm very much the same way. I'm, I'm more of an optimist yeah but more of like an optimist and i want to put gusto behind it like sure i'll think that things are going to work out but i also know that at the end of the day you got to like roll your sleeves up and make it happen but i i don't know if that was from just watching my dad work and things that my mom and dad instilled in me as a kid where do you feel like that kind of they're like no i'm gonna i'm gonna figure this out i'm and no other thoughts coming into your head fear not even being a factor where did that come from and how do you like uh, nurture that through business, through life, with clients, everything? Uh, definitely started from my mom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she, I mean, she raised six kids under a three-bedroom house roof. And we had like nothing. So nice. there was times where we didn't have food to eat. We didn't have hot water to take showers. Our dryer was broken like most of the time. I don't know why the dryer kept breaking, but. It was just like stuff like that. It's like always that, you know? Like the one thing she wouldn't fix. Right, right. And so like uh, we just didn't have much growing up, but we we ended up fine. You know, I I felt um, blessed to be able to have that experience and be be able to know that even though when things do get bad, um, things can still end up fine. So I don't know if, if anything that I could go through now could be much worse than some of the things that I've already been through. So 
that's just the way I've seen life from here from uh, from a young age, I think. And I think also uh, playing a lot of sports, like I've been on some really good teams Mm -hmm. and I've been on some really, really bad teams. Like my uh, basketball team. team. (laughs) (laughs) Like my my basketball team in high school, I started playing varsity in uh, my sophomore year. And that year, all of our seniors and half of our juniors quit because they didn't like the coach. So it was basically just like sophomores and a couple of juniors and a lot of freshmen. We won three games that first year out of uh, 24, I think. And then (laughs) the next year we won two. And then my senior year, we won one game. And then the year after that, they they went to like states. Like my little brother was on the team. They went to states. It was just a complete flip. But just being on that team um, and still having so much fun, even though we were doing so bad and still loving the game so much, it, it kind of taught me that, you know, there's much more to, to uh, working hard than just winning all the time. It's just the process of working hard and, and wanting to be there and the passion for it that really matters. And I've kind of taken that into everything that I do now. Like sometimes, you know, especially with personal training, there's going to be fluctuations like yeah. people go on vacation, people come back, like your, your sessions are real low, but there's always going to be a chance for you to get them higher. So as long as there's that opportunity mm-hmm. for you to work to get them higher, you still have a chance. Like nothing is like, um, there's always that possibility that you can come back and, and be better. So that's just the way I, I've seen life since, since like high school-ish. Sometimes it, it feels like the, like your life experience is just, it's the same things happening over and over, but just on, on scales that have more consequences, like yeah, you, and, and your attitude and your mindset are kind of the thing that everything boils down to that. And then depending on how you view the world and your outlook, it, it sets you up to either handle something positively and move forward or get completely derailed down and out and, and then go on that track forever. And it can be you know, losing 80% of your basketball games in a season, (laughs) Uh, or it can be having the rug ripped out from under you at your job that you went into a day before where all of a sudden it's not there anymore. And I I always think like for us, I feel like this industry was really interesting place to be when the pandemic happened, because not only are you, are, were we in Santa Monica, which like the hub for fitness, I mean, in, in LA, which is like the hub for fitness in the country, and then on the West side, I don't think it get, there's not more people running around with their shirts off outside 24 seven, nah. just living that lifestyle. And, and it's an in-person business. It is face to face a hundred percent. So when that happened, it was so nuts. Like you had to have a positive attitude about it. Yeah. Yeah. When, when did you go ahead? Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, yeah, I think being positive helps, but, um, a couple of books that have really stuck with me that I, one I read more recently, like in the last year, the other I read uh, like four years ago and I'm currently reading again right now is uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And then It Takes What It Takes by Trevor Moad. And in The Seven Habits, the main thing that it talks about is um, being able to dictate your reaction to things because things are always going to happen to us. But yeah. if you can dictate your reaction uh, you are in control of that moment, you know, and then you can make the decision to, you know, do whatever you need to do to have right. the best results in that, in that moment. 
And instead of letting the external factors play in and on your emotions and, you know, you turn into a victim of the situation rather than, you know, the person in control. And then, and it takes what it takes. It talks a lot about, you know, mindset and how we talk to ourselves and, and um, not always being positive, but being realistic. So more neutral yeah. thinking than negative thinking always works. Positive thinking <laughs> might not always work, but neutral thinking is probably the best in, in uh, most situations. So you can look at the situation objectively and then decide what decision you want to make from there without any uh, irrational thoughts. That sounds like somewhat of like a stoic approach to things where you just recognize things for what they are. Because if you always ride the peaks and valleys and you make emotional reactions or, or hasty decisions too early or too late or whatever, mm-hmm. um, when you take it as is, then you have the best opportunity to make the best choice for the desired outcome. Are, sure. do, you, do you find yourself, have you read your whole life, like constantly reading motivational type books, or did you get to a place where those became of interest to you? Like, how do you end up reading those books, for example? Cause I, I feel like they're common, right? You hear those titles mm-hmm. a lot, but they also resonate with people for specific reasons. Yeah. I feel like, um, my mindset really shifted when I read the four agreements when I was a mm-hmm. uh, fitness manager in Boston, one of my uh, coworkers, he was a front desk worker, brought the book over to me. And he's like, y'all read this paragraph. And I read the paragraph. I was like, this is what's in my mind. Like, this is just like <laughs> laid out way more clearly than what's going on in my mind. But this is kind of like, it, it resonated. So read the whole book and it, I feel like it changed my life. And um, in ways that definitely made me see the world very differently in the way I saw myself and the way I saw other people and just being able to uh, look at things a lot more objectively uh, after reading that book. And then once you read that book, obviously I've like wanted to tell everyone to read it. So it's like, you gotta read this book, you gotta read this book. And then people that resonated with it probably have read similar books to it. And since I never read before that, I would just get so many different book recommendations. And from there I was hooked. Like as soon as I got a second book recommendation, which was the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership, um, which I only read once. And I feel like I should read again because a lot of stuff really stuck with me, just being able to add value to other people's lives. And all of this stuff is really, uh, it goes very well with personal training. So for sure, that's why, that's why I was kind of just reading and reading and reading, but you just keep getting more and more recommendations. And then I, I couldn't stop reading from there. Are, are you a like books on tape kind of person, or do you like to actually physically read it? Cause sometimes I feel like when I'm doing the actual book, it can just take me forever to get through it or, or I'll yeah. only read it at night. And then I'm falling asleep every time I read the book, whereas the books right. on tape, you can kind of like always be jamming through something when you're driving how do you get through them so uh i like to read the physical books but just like you said you got to find the right time to do it because before bed I'm, I'm only reading like two three pages before my eyes start to fall uh but i used to have like a really long commute to work like half hour there half hour back even going to equinox i used to ride the bus it was like half hour 45 minutes sometimes sometimes an hour so on those commutes is when I would get most of my reading done. But now, like, um, I'll usually have one book on Audible for when I'm, like, driving. Or if I want to listen to a podcast, I'll listen on Audible. I mean, I'll listen on, in the car. And then um, if I have a break throughout the day, I try to make sure I fit in, like, 20 to 30 minutes of reading 
um, whenever I can, but it's definitely not as much physical book as I used to. Now it's mostly just audible. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great medium to be able to get through a lot of stuff and, and be able to, Mm -hmm. sometimes you just hearing the people talk through the story. It sometimes it can be beneficial to hear a different voice. Sometimes the voice itself is so bad. Like I was listening to this one book this time this dude's voice just, it like pissed me off so much. I didn't even want to listen to any of the content in the book. Was, and I didn't yeah. expect it to be that distracting, but like, yeah, I don't know. It, you know, it is what it is. Did I've I have had books like that? Did you feel like when you decide you want to become a personal trainer, you obviously, you studied kinesiology in your undergraduate, mm-hmm. you were an athlete your entire life. It seems to be very commonplace that you have ex athletes coming back to fitness and pursuing a career in this. Where did you feel like your career would be at, at this, at this many years involved? Um, it's funny because I always wanted to be a personal trainer uh, from probably my junior year in high school, but I didn't really know what that involved. I just wanted to, I wanted to work out every day and help other people do like the types of workouts that I wanted to do. Uh, because I just love to work out. It's like play to me. It's like being out at recess. Mm -hmm. So when I first um, was thinking about going to college and I really didn't know if I was going to go to college or where I wanted to go or anything until like the very last minute my senior year. And I thought athletic training was personal training. I had no idea the difference. So I went into school thinking, okay, I'm going to be an athletic trainer. Like a physio. Right. And I loved all my kinesiology classes, did an internship with the athletic training department. And I saw the difference of what actually was like a strength conditioning coach versus uh, athletic trainer. And being an athletic trainer um, is a very, it's a very intense, like very demanding job for the money that I was looking to make compared to what you could make at like um, physical therapy or like a lot of my friends wanted to do PA. So I was just kind of like, uh, I don't want to do athletic training. <laughs> and so I, I was like, all right, I'll do physical therapy because that's what most of the other people were doing. But in the back of my head, I was like, I just want to train people. And so I did all these internships with like other physical therapy clinics and stuff. And it was just boring, bro. It was so boring. It was good to learn, but I yeah. couldn't just sit there and watch someone do like a really slow movement for an hour straight. You know what I mean? I wanted to be out there, like seeing people move, like really move. So I think, um, I'm right where I wanted to be, honestly. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you, you've trained like athletes very early on. I feel like for a lot of people, they want to get to a place where they then train athletes or or it's like Mm -hmm. athletes and celebrities are like the two goal clients that a lot of people have when they get into the training Mm -hmm. industry. And then they realize that like, they're the two hardest people to manage and, and the, the, biggest stress on your like persona and well-being for the smallest yep. return right. so you train athletes at a young age in miami right pretty much yep. like right out of your degree yeah uh, a couple of years so i was training at boston sports clubs for three years before i moved to miami for a summer and i was at this performance institute uh facility that was called bomberitos performance and they had like odell beckham jr was there jarvis landry von miller like most of the big names in football would go either there to texas or to exos in arizona and i think right. there's one here too there's one in san diego but, yeah yeah so 
a lot of the guys were over there and I was like, this is going to be awesome, but it was unpaid. So <laughs> I, yeah. So, but I was like, all right, so maybe I can get in and, and get a job here, uh, which they actually offered me a job. But when I found out how much the trainers were making, I was like, wait, why would I uproot myself to go? Well, I would have done it for the love of it just to learn. And just cause I loved being in that atmosphere, but I would have been making way less money than I was as a personal trainer right. with the general population with general population is so much less stress. I didn't realize how easy we had it until I went to the, um, like uh, collegiate and elite professional athletes. So um, what's, what's was, the hard, what's the most challenging part uh, f- for you in that setting? Because I never had an opportunity to work inside like an athletic facility where you're really alongside mm-hmm. top level talent. But when you're in a place with like Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr., the biggest names in the NFL, mm-hmm. what was it about that experience that made you want to look elsewhere? So I was actually planning on going back down, but I just didn't have the money to do it. I was going to save some up gotcha. and then go back down, but it didn't end up happening because I got promoted again at um, Boston sports clubs. But the stressful parts were probably more due to the fact that I was an intern and we had to be on the field at 4.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. It's 80 degrees out and the sun's not even up yet. And you're sweating because of the humidity. Right. You had to set everything up. You had to make sure all the players had the right meals. You had to make sure uh, everyone was checked in, right? And it was just like a lot of the logistical stuff that needed to happen for the facility to run well. And then after that, you'd be there like helping to train the athletes and, and making sure you know exactly what everyone needs to be doing. And then one of the most stressful parts is just being a young guy, still like just getting into like that, you know, arena uh, I didn't know everything and I didn't think I knew everything. So if like one of the athletes asked me a question, like, Oh, how much should I be doing on this? Or like, how's my form here? I'd be like, well, I, I, uh, yeah, it's good. <laughs> like you, and some guys, like they don't know the difference. And some guys ask you just to test you like Frank Gore, Frank Gore was one of those guys. Like he was going to test you if you're going to work with him because they obviously like some of these guys just want the best trainer out there. Right. So um, just not knowing everything and, and still being thrown in the fire was probably the most stressful part. And I think with any time you're learning anything, the frustration aspect of learning and doing it wrong is the only way we can learn. So that's right. why I think that experience was so valuable. Yeah, it's, it's tough. You need guidance and mentorship in any situation because otherwise you're truly like out on your own, you know, like you can understand as much as you can understand about kinesiology, biomechanics, the body, your, whatever certification you've done, but when it really comes to the application, it's new when it's new, you haven't done it. And that alone can take away the confidence necessary. You think about any sport that you play and when you play it, the longer you play it, the more confidence you have doing it, the Mm -hmm. more confidence you step up to the plate, you'll shoot a shot that you wouldn't shoot otherwise kind of thing. But in the beginning, it's you don't want to do anything wrong. I remember when I did my practical assessment, even at Equinox, not even with like professional Mm -hmm. athletes, it was with Aaron. And I looked him up beforehand and I was so freaked out to go into the assessment because this dude was six two, chiseled from stone. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, just past my 70% on my exam or whatever that you need to pass. 
and I'm yeah. going in to talk to this guy like, man, what am I doing here? What am I actually <laughs> doing here? Like my palms right. are sweaty on my steering wheel, but you build, Dang. you build confidence. You know, when you go, you get more reps, you, you get more clients, you deal with different situations and it, it lends itself to becoming better at it as you do it kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of nice to hear that <laughs> someone like you was nervous at Hell some yeah. point because you're probably, I've known like a few very, very good trainers. Like you're top two and you're probably number one. There was, I was one like, other, who's number one, dude? No, there's, there's one other <laughs> Thank girl you. who was, she's probably, she's almost exactly like you. She was like, uh, a semi-pro football player. Damn. She was a beast. She was a quarterback. And she was one of the best, smartest, most calculated, organized trainers. And I was her manager. And I basically looked to her for helping manage the whole thing because she was so good at what she did. That's awesome. um, but to hear that, you know, where you started and to where you are now, it's like, you know, it just gives, it could give anyone hope Dude, to, I, to I, know I, that you can be so much better. First of all, thank you. I really appreciate that. Second, I actually declined the position. They called me and offered the job. And I said, I was one, so nervous to start because I didn't know what I was doing. And then uh, two, I had like 500 bucks in my bank account while I was working yeah. at Enterprise Rent a Car. And I, my manager at the time who preceded you was like, you'll figure out the money. And I'm like, figure out the money, dude, you guys are giving me 15 hours a week on a minimum <laughs> wage salary. I'm like, right. Do, do the simple math, dude. It's not figure it out it's money. I'm lot. like, yeah, it's, I'm not making rent. And I don't think you're going to pay my rent. And, uh, <laughs> and he was like, just trust me on this one. Like, take the job. You're going to do fine. You'll figure it out. And I called my mom and I was like, hey, should I do this? And she's like, you can do it. But like, we believe in you. We love you. But, <laughs> but if it doesn't work, she's like, you're kind of, I can't give you money to figure it out. And I was like, right. fuck it, dude. And but sometimes you got to do that, some. you know? You got to jump. What What's right. the situation in your life where you were faced with that, like sink or swim? Uh, you know, I feel like recently it's been a lot because so when I, I was out on a cross country trip with my best friend, Hella, uh, he was running across America from Huntington Beach to New York City. And so you, took, you had supports, not like straight right i mean you have like vehicles that go with you and and like medics and stuff so he was running i was driving the rv and his yeah. girlfriend now fiance was in a rental car driving about two miles per hour behind him the whole time and that's oh it God. like we didn't have any like that was it we had to be our own medical support we had to be yeah. like our own like cooks nutritionists like everything his girlfriend did i mean his fiance did most of the the grunt work and it was it was an amazing experience but um going into it I was just like really hitting my stride with my private business and I knew you know a lot of the people might not come back I'm only going to be able to do so much while I'm doing this cross-country trip mm -hmm. and I probably won't be making that much money and I still have rent. I still have car payments and all the bills. I didn't find a sublet or anything like that. So I was just like, you know what? I'm going to have to take a leap of faith right now and just figure it out. Yep. Spent all my money on the trip. And then when I got back, it was like, all right. So I have no money and I have rent coming up and a car payment and all my bills. I got to figure this out. So 
I just, I don't know, I just kept my head down and I don't know how I did it, honestly. I just got lucky a lot, I think. You know, I got very lucky, but it all worked out. What was that experience like? I mean, that's a trip. Like, this dude's running across America. That's ludicrous. <laughs> yeah, it was It was crazy to hear him want to do it. Yeah. But to actually see him do it, was it just blew my mind. I didn't know how he was. Have you ever run? 20 miles or Dude, 25 miles the most i've ever run in my whole life and i mean whole life is 15.2 and i did it out of pure boredom in the pandemic and i like i don't know it took me a couple of weeks or whatever to like build up some volume but it was from the hip i just kind of did it mm-hmm. and i was throttled it, i mean my legs were like whooped your feet your legs your back everything is like yeah. working everything's working and so for him to be able to go out there and do an average of 36 miles every day, some days what? 50 miles, some days even more than 50. I think he had a day where he did like 51 or 52 miles. Dude, what is, and, what is this guy eating? Bro, he's completely vegan. And his girlfriend was, uh, fiance now, is cook, was cooking everything. It was like, it switched throughout the course of the whole trip. So it first started off as like, Maybe some oatmeal in the morning, uh, rice with avocado, olive oil. He had to get his fats in, yeah. um, stuff like that. Bagels in the morning. Um, and then whatever he wanted to eat at night. But his taste buds would like change because he had to eat so much that he would just get sick of food. So, so it was a he, constant. Sorry to interrupt. Is he eating? No, no, no. Um, I mean, how, how big is this dude? Like. He's five. Uh, he's five nine, one sixty when we started. So he's, he's eating about, like thousands of calories a day. Like five, like at least five thousand calories of a day. Pretty much whatever you can get your hands on at that point. Exactly within the confines of being vegan, right? Exactly. But whatever. Right. Yeah. So at night he would have like a smoothie with a whole bunch of ice cream, Oreos, <laughs> like a little protein in there and like it would be like probably a thousand calorie shake right before bed and just to know okay so there's the eating part of it then there's the sleep part of it which is so important we all know for recovery like you have to sleep well if you want to recover well and eating right before bed probably isn't going to help you sleep that well so he wasn't sleeping great he was probably getting four or five hours a night and then going out and doing the same thing and he was doing it on injured ankles, knees, hips. Like, it's just crazy. Like to see him actually get it done. It was insane. And the finish was nuts. What was your role in that besides a friend? So I was just, I was driving the RV. I was making sure everything in the RV was taken care of. I was like keeping it clean, uh, changing the sewer tank, making sure we had fresh water, stuff like that. The fun (laughs) stuff. And then And then at times I would massage his legs or massage his feet or stretch him out where he needed. But outside that, like there wasn't really much I could do for him because you're just going to, anytime you stretch, you're just going to go out there and, you know, recompress everything that you just stretched out. Right. So uh, I was just there for whatever he asked me to do, honestly. And I didn't want to, I just wanted to be out of the way enough for him to do what he needed to do but helpful enough to facilitate him finishing the the job so that's really all my goal was did that motivate you at all to do anything 
insane like that? I mean, that's insane. Uh, <laughs> that's uh, insane. I, I don't know if I'll ever do anything insane like that. Like, yeah. I wouldn't call myself a runner at all. I'm not a big, not that I'm not a big fan of running. I just don't really run. I'd rather like go play basketball or box for, sure. for cardio or something yeah. like that. But it did inspire me um, to, you know, just do what you love as much as you can and like really commit to doing what you love, whatever you're passionate about. And I think that's actually the recipe to finding sustainable happiness and fulfillment in life is finding a way to do what you love while helping other people at the same time. And I think he's a perfectly perfect example of that. Yeah. It's, man, it's, it's hard. It's easy to say that. And it is tough to do that. Like, especially, Mm -hmm. I mean, living in a city like Los Angeles, just your exposure to wealth and like, the furthest degrees of it. It's nonstop. Mm-hmm. You pull up to an right. intersection and there's $10 million at the intersection, just in cars. It's crazy, crazy what you're around, but it does seem in addition to just what you hear all the time, like money doesn't equal happiness, but that it really doesn't. And no. actually those that have significantly excess amounts of money, maybe there are, there are opportunities to experience happy moments from like flying to more places, eating at nicer Mm. restaurants, going to more concerts, sitting in better seats, like whatever the list of things is, uh, those opportunities might be greater, but are they actually bringing like true clarity and happiness in that moment to that person? I don't Mm. know. It's hard Uh, to say. Yeah. I mean, from, I mean, after, you know, you, as personal trainers, we talk to so many people, we get close with a lot of people, we figure out what they first, what they want for their body, which usually is something related deeper to what they want inside, like yes. something like self-conscious. Mm-hmm. And that always comes out. And uh, you just see patterns in people and the people that I've noticed that are trying to use material things to fill that void of sadness, mm-hmm. it never works out because they get the thing, whatever it is, maybe it's the car or the house. And then they automatically look, it's nice for a little bit that they get used to it. And then they're looking for something else to like fill that void immediately after. So I don't think anyone's happy all the time. And I don't think being poor is the answer to happiness. No, (laughs) (laughs) but you just have to know that being happy is not going to come from something external. But um, I think to, to make sure that you're, I think it goes back to what we were saying by, about controlling your reactions to things. Um, that's where your happiness is going to come from is the awareness to, to not be influenced so much by your external environment. Not only that, but like happiness is, it's an experience. It's right. not a it's moment to moment. Right. And there's with, the experience of happiness. There's also, there's the opposite for every action. There's a reaction, there's sadness too, but it's getting to a place where like experience sadness, welcome it. It's part of the human experience. It's part of mm-hmm. going through your, your day and mm-hmm. you're going to experience happiness as well. And you being able to navigate those two things and not let one throw you in either direction becomes so important because yeah. on the other side of it, if all you're doing is chasing happiness, you're not going to get it period whether you're like you're always going to be chasing yeah no matter who you are you could be the most pseudo seemingly enlightened person in the world Mm -hmm. it is not constant 
it is like right. a thought. It's like a car on the freeway. It comes and it goes. There's no control over it. But learning how mm-hmm. to be like, go through that ebb, go through that flow and still come out on the other side with a level head, aware mm-hmm. of what's going on. I think that's like, that's the most important thing. I think I could agree with that 100%. And just focusing on the process of what you're doing and, and what you can control in that process and, and being happy that you're in the process. It's yeah. almost like the happiness is actually like biological. So I've been learning a lot about dopamine mm-hmm. and how uh, Andrew Huberman has this great podcast. Yeah, I don't know great. if you've listened. Super Amazing. awesome. Yeah. So I've been learning so much from that about like being process driven is actually going to give us the energy to keep driving no matter what happens versus having a goal in mind for the future and having these great expectations for it, your dopamine levels are getting higher and higher when you have these amazing expectations for something that's, that you're trying to get to, like that goal that you're trying to, excuse me, goal that you're trying to reach. But if the actual event of reaching the goal does not surpass the anticipation on a dopaminergic level, you're going to have this huge disappointment factor And it's going to be even harder later to get that dopamine to go back up. So no matter what, with anything, there's going to be like the rise and fall, right? (laughs) Rise and fall. You you achieve something. And then uh, with dopamine, I think what he was saying is that there's a opposite. Anytime we feel pleasure, we feel an equal amount of pain. Like you were just saying earlier, there's there's two sides to every coin. So nothing's always going to feel good, but to know that it's happening on a biological level can help you navigate those moments of lowness and just know that, okay, this is a, a natural biological occurrence. Let me just keep my head down, still focus on the process, even though maybe I don't feel at my best today, but what is my best today going to look like? And what do I need to do to execute on my best effort today? And just keeping that process in mind helps us to keep moving forward. I think that's a very, one very well said. It's a, important to enjoy what you're doing. This, I'll use this whole podcast as a great example because on one side of it, it's where would you like your podcast to go? Millions of people, right? In a perfect world, millions of people listen to what your guests have to say and the conversations you create. But it's at, you know, 50 people listen right now. Mm. And, but that to me, I don't care because this is what I care about. It's exciting to me to sit with you and talk and just have an awesome conversation. I think it's more and more rare these days to actually sit down and do this, especially Mm. with how preoccupied we tend to be with our phones and what other people are saying about us and everything. So it's a special opportunity to sit down and have a real interaction with someone face to face. And if that's the part that you enjoy and you just keep going after that, the Mm -hmm. likelihood that that shows through in your work, whatever it is, whether it's your personal training business, whether it's your artwork, whether it's your film, whatever that is, that's going to be the thing that helps it grow to a place where then maybe, maybe, maybe not millions of people do want to listen to it. Right. But if all you're focusing on is that that number or that thing or that reach or the follower counter, like whatever it is, Mm -hmm. it's going to be a miserable journey. Mm -hmm. And then when you get there, you're going to be wildly underwhelmed. Exactly. (laughs) It's going to be like, (laughs) you know, I feel like uh, a lot of my decisions in the past 
besides actually becoming a personal trainer have been uh, like money driven, like mm-hmm. related to, okay, how am I going to make the most amount of money? And what can I do to be a billionaire one day? Or like, how can I just like live that lifestyle of just crazy wealth? And I was so focused on that with like, even with like Instagram, trying to get followers up and like trying to monetize that. Or I started a blog at one point I started, I did like a little bit of a podcast, but my why those things, a lot of those things never lasted because the why was more monetary than like a passion for it. So it like, if you don't have that strong why, then yeah. nothing is going to last. And I think the passion and the love for something is the strongest why you can have. Yeah, it's uh, it has to be the thing that internally keeps you excited and keeps you wanting to <clears throat> move forward on something. Because in addition to that, and I think this is ever true with the training industry, your, your excitement to get something going and your reasons for doing it are going to carry you through the beginning of it no matter what. They just mm-hmm. That's what gets you off your feet. That's what wakes you up in the morning. It brings you to work every day. No matter what you do, there's going to be a stage right after that, but close to the start where it sucks and mm-hmm. it's just hard and people say no, and people don't like it and mm-hmm. nobody shares it. And it, whatever it is, it, your why is the thing that bumps you through that period to go like, I don't care. It doesn't matter how many people download it. It doesn't matter how many people read it because I'm going to do a trillion of these, or I'm going to mm-hmm. make a <clears throat> hundred articles and that passion inside is going to be the thing that like moves you along through that. Or maybe you realize you don't have that passion and the ability mm-hmm. to recognize it and shut something down is equally as valuable because the, right. the last thing you want to be doing is wasting your energy in a space where you don't want to be anyway. Right. Right. I agree. 100%. Like, what was it like for you when you like had to transition out of Equinox or made the decision to transition out? Because actually after you left, I was like, oh, this is going to be, maybe I should, like you inspired me to like really like want to do it big privately. So when you left, I was like, all right, this is, I think this is the best move right here. It was, it was an interesting experience because I'd been at Equinox so long and I have nothing but wonderful things to say about it to this day. I think it, it helped me launch my career. It taught me more than I ever expected. I developed great relationships. I met Lauren there. Uh, I have still wonderful relationships with the managers. And I just think it's a great environment to get yourself like actually started to where you know what you're doing. Because I feel like in a lot of other situations, they provide you the tools, but they don't, they don't teach you the way that like Equinox does. They're very invested in you becoming a better trainer, a more knowledgeable coach. And then also delivering that back to people in like a real way. Mm-hmm. So it was hard for me to leave that because I felt very, I felt stuck for a long time. I felt like I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know where I wanted to go. I was really worried about how I was going to make money. And that was all that I knew. And it literally took a global pandemic for me <laughs> to, to, to be like, I'm not going back here. And it was, uh, I don't know. I just felt like instantaneously a need to to like pivot and redirect my energy with like the shutdown fitness club thing and just doing whatever I could to stay active, to stay busy. And then when we came down here, I was fortunately still like training a bunch of my clients virtually who are like, Hey, we're not going to leave you. We, we need structure and we need, 
you to keep providing this or whatever. And I was more than happy to do that. And so I also just had a knack for like the virtual space. I really liked that product because it makes a lot of the, the timing issues with like showing up on time, scheduling, all this kind of stuff just solves it because people are at their own home. They're in their own gym. It works fine. And then it's mobile. Someone can be in, like I've trained some clients there in like Egypt and I'm here or they're in Paris and I'm here. It's just, it eliminates all the issues that we experience on the day-to-day. And a lot of those kind of like, Oh, is this client going to come back? Are they not like those are gone? Yeah. Uh, So I think even to this very day, as I'm sitting in front of you, like there's more, there's more unknowns. Equinox became very known. I knew exactly what to expect. If I lost a client, I'd walk downstairs and I knew I could have a client within like a week. You just learn your system. It's a lot less known on, or it's more unknown, but it's way more exciting. And I find Mm. myself for the first time in my life, putting like my heart into things just because that's what I want to do. Like when I wake up in the morning, I'm like, what do you want to do? If, if you woke up and there were six more zeros in your bank account, what are you going to do? And I'm like, right. I would train. I would probably do like a podcast or something. I would train jujitsu and I'd surf all the time and hang out with Lauren. Mm-hmm. And like, right. then I go, why the fuck aren't you doing that now? You don't need all the zeros in your account to make that happen. And so that is something that, despite the fear and the unknown, the anxiety and stuff of leaving what I knew so much that feels super, super good because I feel like, like you, my whole life, I've been doing things that I wanted to get more money. I was so worried about the money part of it. And now I feel like I'm doing things because I, I really love them. Yeah. And it feels different. It feels way different. It's weird. dude. If, and everything, I feel like when you make that decision, just like, commit to your passion and the things that you love in your life I feel like things just line up for you and it just works out yeah I feel like I feel like that's the story of the last year for me at least but um yeah I I actually have a client that like he said something similar to me once I was supposed to actually go on the bachelorette the show I was gonna ask you about I'm so (laughs) glad you brought this up I was like (laughs) this was either I was like, this is a rumor. Wait, he was actually going to go. And I was like, I could kind of see Garrett on there. He's like, good looking dude. He's super nice. I appreciate you. <laughs> I was like, he would probably win. <laughs> uh, the thing is, like, I was excited to go on and yeah. I was excited just to have the opportunity. And how, just wait, to, like, how, how, did that, how did that come up? So I was about to get ready to go on this trip across the country. It was the like, same time. Yep. Like, two weeks before someone reached out to me on Instagram and said, hey, um, I'm a casting director for a show. Would you be interested in being on this show? I'd be like, oh, what is it? And then she was like, oh, it's The Bachelorette and it starts March 1st or whatever. And I was like, I'm, I can't do it. I'm gonna be on this cross country trip. And she's like, well, just apply anyway, see what happens. And even if you don't want, maybe like, you can get on a different season. I was like, all right, fine, I'll apply, but I'm definitely not gonna go on. And so I went through the audition stuff and sent in a video or whatever. And they did an interview with me and then they liked me and they did another interview with me and then they liked me. And then they sent me through the whole process, um, had to get my fingerprints done, blood tests, like everything. Why the fuck? What is it for the bachelorette? (laughs) Yeah. Cause I guess like if you make it to the end and you have overnight stays and stuff like that, you know, you don't want to be spreading diseases, I guess. I don't know. Shit. Either way, I went through the whole thing, 
the FBI sent me fingerprint stuff, everything. And uh, I was like, well, this could be like a really great situation for me to like get my social media up and like have a big platform afterwards and, you know, make a lot of money off that possibly. And I just, I was like, you know, I can't leave my best friend. Like I committed to this and I, I don't want to be, I don't want to look back on this situation and say, man, my best friend made history by being the first black man to run across the country. And I could have been there, but I decided to go on this show that probably won't matter that much at the end of the day. It's probably not going right. to, who knows, who knows what it could have been. But uh, I decided to uh, forego that because it was, it didn't feel like it was aligned with my principles and the yeah. things that I really believe in. So uh, I can't remember if that answered the original question. I liked it. I think it did. Um, <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It's, it, well, we were talking about going on the bachelor and I asked you how that came about, but that did answer it. Um, it's also interesting that you forewent that for this opportunity. Like that's kind of the, it's the two worlds coming together. Right. It's like, it's like, here's this opportunity to like do what I love, be passionate about it and experience Mm -hmm. this, this thing you'll, you remember forever. Never will Mm -hmm. a day go by where you forget what it was like to be on that trip with him where there were three. Yeah. Or do I go on this show and like, (laughs) it's the materialization right it's like the followers and potential money from that would hard to say if it would really come your way if it wouldn't how do you do that what are you actually making money doing but it's it's set amount of time where it's guaranteeing you a return whereas this was guaranteeing you an unknown right you know if you were going to get anything out of it right so i the way i see it is like that trip was it's always going to be with me like you said the show that's like all fleeting stuff. It's things that can't, you can't, I mean, the experience, maybe you can take with you the friendships that you get from the show. Maybe. Yeah. Who knows what you could have got. And I, I don't think anyone who has gone on the show made the wrong decision, but I just had that particular scenario where I had to choose between the two. And I just saw way more value in the friendship and the experience of going across the country, which is something I always wanted to do. So I really had to, it, it was a really like tough decision at first. But Couldn't I had you to go like, back to the bachelorette if you ever wanted to do that in the future. I guess I could, I could reapply, but um, I don't think I would now, to be honest, because after seeing the show, I never really saw it before. Yeah. But after seeing the show and like kind of seeing what it's about, a lot of it, uh, I don't think it really aligns with what I want in life. Um, and it, it feels like if I was to do it, the show is about finding love. I personally don't think I'd be able to find love on in that scenario. You never know, but yeah. I don't think I'd be able to take it seriously because of the cameras and, yeah. and the way other people, like it makes other people act as well. I just, I wouldn't trust that it was genuine in any sense. So I don't think I would go on the show ever or any other show, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Like, there's if you think about all the way back to like real world road rules stuff like Bro, that. I love you those got shows. like the Miz is a uh-huh. WWE wrestler, right? So he makes it. 
Theo Vaughn, yeah. big comedian now. So there's mm-hmm. other people that have been birthed out of that vein that like did make something, but think mm-hmm. of how many contestants that have been on a reality TV show and how many people you have right. no idea what they're doing or exactly you would never hear about this. How many of them cost themselves careers, you know, or cost right. themselves opportunities from making themselves look like jackasses from being drunk, blacked out mm-hmm. on, you know, national TV, getting right. in fights. I mean, the list goes on to dumb things that happen on a reality TV show. Not to say yeah. that, I don't think that that's like the risk for you, right? You go on the show and you get like blackout and, and punch yeah. a hole through a wall or something. Uh, but that's what you, they want. They want right. people no, like they that. Do. They do. They want I'd, drama. I'd be right? too. I'd be too boring on that show. Right. It, it would be. They want people that are going to freak out, that are going to make things right. interesting, so they can cut it. And you're like, oh my god, I can't wait to watch. Right. Uh, this is. I. I know for a fact because I know you that this was not your intention. But did any opportunities come out of supporting your friend on this trip? Um, um, no. And I think it's, that was completely fine with me because I didn't expect that wasn't an expectation of mine. Yeah. I, I feel like my only expectation was to just do the best I could to help him get across country. And I expected him to get a lot of exposure and, and I just wanted him to finish so he could like be that guy who ran across America and and that's what happened so it was uh it was exactly what i i expected really i didn't i didn't see how i could really benefit from that there was didn't really make sense to me to like be able to see something in that so yeah i never really expected it at all and and that's a note in being like grounded and rooted in your decisions right like you Mm. because what would have been a travesty is if you didn't go on the bachelor because and gave up right? Right. Gave up all your opportunity to then go on this, to try to get it through the back door on someone else's thing. Cause then it never, you know, never would have worked. Right. It's like robbing, robbing Peter to pay Paul. Exactly. So you have this powerful experience. You go through it with your friend. You'll never forget that. Um, I want to know more about this, like him being vegan through this, right? Because, okay. A little background. When I met my girlfriend, Lauren, she had been vegan for seven years. She's no longer. I be, I was vegan overnight for a year straight through, like wow. went to bed eating meat, woke up the next day, literally was reading every single label. You and I talked wow. about that a lot at work. Yeah. I know that you're still vegan, right? Yeah. And have yep. been for... For um, four years now, four right. years. And yeah. the biggest misconception is people go... Oh, you can't get, well, it's always like strength really. You can't get strong on a vegan diet, uh-huh. which is bullshit. Yeah. Um, protein, protein. Or you can't achieve certain things on a vegan diet. I felt like for me personally, I've developed into more of the mindset of like different strokes for different folks. There's some people that are going to benefit a lot from being on a vegan diet. There's some people that might benefit better from being on a carnivorous diet or a blend there. Mm-hmm. How have you maintained that for four years? Are there, is there anything that, you feel like you're missing out on? Are, are there things that you absolutely love? Are there limitations? Like what's that experience like for you? And what keeps you um, going? There's definitely limitations. Like you can't just, you can't just like travel and expect to find everything that you want to eat or like even going home for Thanksgiving. Uh, I miss some of the food like there, like my grandma used to make the best like turkey and stuffing and all this stuff. And you just got to be very, very careful if you want to maintain 
the vegan label, which I never really liked the vegan label because um, I looked at it when I first went vegan, I looked at it from more of a nutritional standpoint because I was not eating well at all at the time. I was having chicken patties for dinner with right. a little bit of rice on the side, like prepackaged rice with like, you know, so many milligrams of sodium that probably give someone a heart attack. <laughs> and I was hardly eating vegetables, cereal for breakfast most days. So I was like, all right, I just need to make a change. And um, let me just try to learn as much as I can. And I'm, I, I can read about something, but I know that you can't really know it until you experience it. Right. And so I think the discipline that I learned from sports allowed me to stick with it. But when I first started doing it, I was like kind of, you know, doing meat on the weekends and just not doing any meat during the week. And I'd never wanted to put a label on myself, especially in the beginning, because I knew that it, it would be much harder for me to stick to if I restricted myself too much. Right. And so it was like a month until I just gave it up completely. And outside of not eating meat, I'm not a picky eater. So I was eating like oatmeal like three meals a day and <laughs> and loving it it was i love oatmeal i still eat it every single morning but i lost like 15 pounds over the first couple yeah. months and i was like all right this is not cutting it i have to actually start eating more right. um and that's when my ex-girlfriend she started we started dating and she started cooking more and just made it way easier and i can eat the same thing every day so i think that's why it's sustainable for me is because I don't have like an emotional relationship to food. Yeah. I more think of it as, okay, what's this food going to do for my body right now? Like the fiber aspects, the neurological aspects. Do I have enough energy to work out? How do I feel on this diet? Like, do I feel good? Like, I'm not going to stay on it if I don't feel good. Right. And then, so all that, I felt fine doing it. Um, it's more like, it was more like an experiment to start. And I just kept going because I got pretty lean doing it. And I was like, oh, this is great. I don't feel bloated. And, you know, the science that I've read said that this might be the best decision for me. Right. So I just kept going with it. And then um, after learning the, like, the ethical implications like with harming animals and the environment. And, you know, I, I feel like some of that stuff is still a little bit gray area, but right. um, since I'm not a picky eater, it's easy for me to just keep doing what I'm doing. And I have my like set routine now. Are there moments where like, do you ever think of like, okay, Thanksgiving is coming up in a month, right? Are okay. you super dogmatic where it's like, absolutely not. And forever, or do you feel like there could be a time where you go home and like grandma's making Thanksgiving, you're like, damn, you know what? Fuck it. And then you have it and, and whatever, like no sweat off your back. It's just, it is what it is. And then you move forward or, or how do you view that part of it? So if I, I feel like if I really wanted to do it, I would do it and I wouldn't feel guilty about it. But the reason why I don't do it is because it's the principle of it for me. I feel like if I, if I make this promise to myself, I'm not going to eat any more meat. It's like, uh, if I say, okay, I'm going to do it once in a while now, then I just broke my own promise to myself. And I think, um, that will trend that can translate to other areas of life. And I think that's one thing I struggled with, um, in the past is just keeping my own promises to myself 
and just making sure I, I do something to the fullest before I give up on it or I put 100% effort into something. So for now, it's more of just the principle of it and just like really like sticking to something versus doing it for, for the vegan aspect of it. You know what I mean? I like that. So it's almost like that is a, it's like a notch in the belt in a way, like keeping you focused on other things. It's not just about the food and the, and it's definitely right. from hearing you talk, it's definitely not about the label. Right. And it's more about like, you said you would do it. So you're going right. to do it. And therefore anything in the future that you say you're going to do, you have this experience to lean on and you'll continue to do that until you accomplish all the things you want to accomplish kind of thing. Right. It's like making your bed every day. Like they Which say, I'm a big you, fan of, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I you think must. it's huge. I think it's yeah. huge. And I never was that person until a couple of years ago. I was just like, whatever, I'm just going to get in bed later. Like, why does it, <laughs> why does it need to be made? But it's the principle of it and the effect that it can have in other areas of life, the discipline to do it every day, even when you don't want to, it's kind of like working out, right? It's like the same thing. So I do every day we have like our couch and our, our chair downstairs that everything gets all messed up during the day and every single day at night, I organize all the cushions and I fold all the blankets and I hate doing it. <laughs> but I, I do it dude i do it out of principle it's the same thing it's just like making your bed i do it because that's mm -hmm. what i do every single night it's how i end the night and then when i wake up in the morning <clears throat> and i go downstairs and have coffee everything's organized and i love it yeah. i love starting my day in an organized space and if i yeah. didn't do it whatever it's just the couch but then the next morning started and like <laughs> i mean chaos is like a ridiculous <laughs> word to call it but it started disorganized and other things do tag onto that. You know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's just like, I don't know, trainers walk around and they always have a program. They're more organized with their clients. Their clients mm -hmm. see better results. They have better attention. People yeah. that never have a program kind of do whatever they want, show up late. They, they don't find success in that, in this industry. Mm -hmm. um, it, there's a lot of little connections like that. I think the making your bed thing is, is hilarious because it's so true it's yeah. just yeah why would you make it you're just gonna mess right. it up every single day right right it's not so, it's not about that right it's kind of like going back to like why are we doing the things that we're doing like okay maybe it's not for the immediate you know the immediate take from it but the long-term effects that it could have so having that's like the deep why like your, your why should probably have um uh consequences that are long-term Mm -hmm. and support those long-term goals that you have uh, versus just the immediate, you know, instant gratification that a lot of people seem to struggle with. And I think people are set up to like have that instant gratification with social media, with like everything's so accessible. Amazon, you could press a button and have that thing at your doorstep the next day, same day sometimes, like in a few hours, like and no one even thinks about what it took to make that product or whatever, but it's just like the instant gratification of having whatever we have today. Uh, I think it, it sets us up to expect instant gratification in a lot of areas of life. And that's, that's just not I, the case. I think it's so tough for a lot of clients to find long-term success is because yeah. if you're not changing the day-to-day -day behavior, if you're not making your bed every morning, you're you're never going to have a clean house. Like you have to establish principles and movement, establish habits in nutrition, because once you're not with your trainer or once you 
achieve whatever your goal is, Mm-hmm. If you don't have the tools in place to reinforce the new behaviors, it's never mm-hmm. going to ever last. Yeah, I've been working out for, since I was 15 and some days I, I don't like it, but mm-hmm. I do it because I know that training is better for my body in the long run than not. This is exactly it. And I like being able to go do shit that I like to do without my right. body being trying to tell me I'm old or something. But there's so many days where it's not really what you want to do but your Mm -hmm. principles and your habits are the thing that keep you doing it. And when you're starting out, whether it's a weight loss journey or overhauling the food and that you consume or trying to instill new principles and movement, man, if you don't take the time to develop your why it's, you will get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. At the end of the day, it takes what it takes. Mm -hmm. So if you're not willing to change your lifestyle habits in order to achieve a certain goal that you want or change what you're doing right now to like be better for the future. Cause really all we have is this moment right now. So if you're not willing to do that things, those things, maybe you need to take a look at your mental models, what you value those things and say, do I want to change these things to achieve this goal? Or am I happy with these mental models and, and don't be want to change anything? And you have to be, be really up. honest with yourself. You have to be. Because at the end of the day, if you're not willing to change those things, then you got to not expect to get to where you want to go because you're not willing to do what it takes to get there. Um, I just had a client actually say to me, because I was telling her, man, I, I really didn't want to work out today. Yeah. Like, I was just so sick of it. And she was like, what? I never would have thought that a trainer would not enjoy like every single workout. I was like, most trainers probably don't enjoy most of their workouts. (laughs) Some of them are great. Some of them like, it's like, all right, let's get after it. But you know, it's, it's hard work and, and it's, it's a long journey because it's a never ending journey. So even when you reach a goal, it's like, you have to keep going. So like the things that how many goals have you had in fitness? I can't tell. Like, I I honestly don't know. I can't even tell you exactly. I can't even tell you. (laughs) (laughs) and you reach it and then you're like all right what's next all right what's next but uh i think just knowing the long-term effects of the pain that we're going through right now is what keeps us going it's going to be better for us that's true for that goes beyond the physical i mean that's mental right Mm -hmm. like any any situation that you go through that you can find a way to get through and, and or overcome whether it's adversity or something difficult in your life or something just general discomfort those are the things that shape your character they're the things that change how you view and operate within the world that you live in and so mm-hmm. if you only had super cushy plush experiences your whole life you'd be mm-hmm. soft as baby shit like nothing would be mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah you know, like there'd be no nothing to make you appreciate what you have or appreciate where you're going that's a fact. You can't learn anything that way. Just staying within what you know. How can you learn something with if nothing ever changes? So, yeah, I think uh, training has taught me a lot about just moving forward, just like who the person I want to be in life and how I want to operate and things I want to do outside of work and and just overall, like with relation, other like family relationships, other personal relationships with friends, like it teaches you integrity, you know, and like that discipline to just, you know, continue to be the person that you want to be regardless of if you want to or not, you just know better, you know? Well, I guess this, I mean, this brings us to, I want, I want to be respectful of your time. I feel like this is a great thing to end on, but uh, 
where do you see yourself going? Where are you headed? What do you want to accomplish in your life? And after that, let everyone know where they can find you. Shameless plug. All right. Uh, well, what I want to accomplish, I want to, uh, I recently just, you know, kind of had the epiphany, like I need to just have uncompromised service towards the people that I want to help. And I really, really do love training. It, it feels like play to me. And I want to, since I love it so much, like why not focus on, on being the very best that I can be at that and just learning how to serve better. And hopefully um, that leads to me being able to not only have like a living making income off of that, but also being able to take that money and invest it in other things outside of training, like a house or stocks or whatever it might be. And, and uh, just eventually have some passive income to the point where if, even if I wasn't training, I wouldn't need to work. So I think I'll always train, but the goal is to train when I want as much as I want and be able to, you know, have the freedom to move about however I want with the people that I love. So that's really the goal. And I don't know exactly what that looks like yet, but uh, that's what I'm working towards. And you can find me at mostly on Instagram at Garrett.Jones, uh, G-A-R-R-E-T-T period J-J-O-N-E-S on Instagram. And I'm also on Twitter here and there, not really that much at Garrett Jones. It's spelled the same, just without the period in the middle. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm exploring YouTube a little bit, but, you know, it's on and off. I, I'm trying to find that why for YouTube, like, why am I doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i think that's probably the best place to find me is instagram awesome well dude garrett it, great to catch up of course it's great to hear from you i'm excited to continue to watch your career grow and, and wherever you take it man so thank you so much for your time i appreciate you so much for having me honestly i was flattered when you asked <laughs> of course and, dude. and i just want to let you know how much uh, I've been inspired by just your work ethic, your, your, the way you operate in the gym. I like really looked up to you to like try to model that so I could be as successful as possible after seeing how successful you were. So thank you. Well, for, thank for you so much, you man. I really appreciate that. We'll see you on the next one, man. I appreciate yeah. you, man. Have You've been listening to the main idea podcast. Profiling pros within the health, wellness, and sports industries. It's real and raw discussions about how real people lean on themselves to accomplish great things. We hope you've enjoyed the show. We know we had fun. Make sure to like, rate, and review the show. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media. Till next time, this is the Main Idea Podcast. Listen. Listen. Learn. Learn. Evolve. Evolve.